Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 492 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. Ben Fadden with you here. It is October 17th, 2023, and obviously the postseason is continuing here. Um, later in this show, I'm going to get to some more player reviews. Is That's what I've been doing here Monday through Friday. Going to continue with that. Um, and if you're missing some of the other player reviews, you can go to the playlist that is on the Talking Friars YouTube channel. Go to the Season Player Review playlist. Click on that, and you'll be able to see the other player reviews there. And today, we got three more coming up. Tim Hill, Scott Barlow, and Tom Cosgrove. But before that, I do want to talk about an article that came out from Andrew Baggerly, who writes for The Athletic. And he covers the San Francisco Giants. And he was writing a piece about what the Giants need to do this offseason. And so I'm going to go to his article here. And he lists a 10-step roadmap for the Giants this offseason, more or less in order of operations. So like what needs to happen first, 10 steps. So he's. it seems like he's like their Dennis Lynn. I'm not reading a bunch of Andrew Baggerly's stuff throughout the year, uh, but I did see this article pop up and I thought it was interesting. And I was, I, it was interesting because it involves Bob Melvin here. So it says here, the Giants want a dugout leader who is personable, well-respected, and in Zaidi's description, Farhan Zaidi, the, the GM or the, the president of baseball operations, I forget what title they have for him, uh, but in his words, an effective recruiter when it comes to free agents. And then Andrew Bagley here lists some possibilities that he's throwing out there as the next manager 
of the San Francisco Giants. And he uh, he says it could be a first-time manager like Stephen Vogt, who transitioned from popular major league catcher to become the Seattle Mariners' quality control and bullpen coach this past season, or Mark DeRosa, the opening day left fielder on the Giants' 2010 World Series championship team who managed Team USA in the World Baseball Classic. Obviously, we know that he does stuff for MLB Network. He is a big part of MLB Central. Uh, when I had MLB Network, was wa- I watched that every morning. Uh, great stuff there with Lauren Shahadi and Robert Flores um, and some other insiders that they bring on there. Um, I think he's a really smart baseball guy. I got to talk to him for like a minute at the winter meetings. Um, I think D-Row, if he wants to manage in the big leagues, I think he will get that opportunity at some point. Don't know if it's going to be this offseason, but Baggerly lists him as a possible fit and then says it could be a seasoned and successful manager like Bob Melvin, whose situation in San Diego isn't as settled as one press release would make it appear. Then goes on and lists Kai Correa, who is the Giants bench coach right now, third base coach Mark Hallberg, Ron Wotus, Buck Showalter, Joe Espada, Donnie Ecker. He says, please don't suggest Buster Posey or Will Clark. Not happening. But he does mention Bob Melvin. It could be a seasoned and successful manager like Bob Melvin, whose situation in San Diego isn't as settled as one press release would make it appear. And the press release that he's referring to, I believe is Peter Seidler talking about how he trusts the current leadership that's in place and AJ Preller going on that Zoom conference and saying that Bob Melvin is our manager. He is the Padres manager. And Bob Melvin also spoke to a couple people in the media, Kevin Acey, Bernie Wilson of AP, that same week that AJ Preller did that press conference or that Zoom conference. And I'm reading from Bernie Wilson's AP piece here. Bob Melvin confirmed that he will be back as manager of the Padres, adding that he's looking forward to having a much better year than we had this year. Obviously, we had a really tough year, and nobody feels good about that. We'd certainly like to have a year more like the year before in 2022 than in 23, and continue to appreciate the support that I get from our owner, Peter Seidler, as well as our major league staff, We'll be looking forward to getting back to spring training and getting at it. So from those words, yes, it seems like Bob Melvin is back. And at this point in time, I think that Bob Melvin will be back, but it's not 100%. And I say it's not 100% because the Giants have not, they have not hired a manager yet. They have not, the Mets have not hired a manager yet. I don't think the Angels are a possibility. I don't think the Guardians are a possibility or teams like that. I don't really think the Mets are a possibility, really. I think it's between the Padres and the Giants. But we know that Bob Melvin has Giants connections. He played for them. He grew up rooting for them. He went to Cal. Like, there's connections there. Um, I I did read stuff about how the Giants or ownership group uh, likes Bob Melvin. So, you know, from the Bay Area, I think that is a fit there. If you, You can connect dots. There's some spots around Major League Baseball with Bob Melvin, it's like, I don't see how you can connect the dots. You can connect the dots here with the San Francisco Giants. So until the Giants hire a manager, I am not saying, I don't fully believe 100% that Bob Melvin is coming back. I think Bob Melvin's coming back, but I cannot say 100% that Bob Melvin is coming back. 
What would also make me more confident that Bob Melvin actually is going to be coming back is if Preller and Melvin sat together in the same room and did a press conference or if Bob Melvin spoke to the media. It doesn't even have to be Preller and Melvin together side by side. It could be just Melvin talking to the media in a video press conference and answering any questions, allowing anyone in the media to come ask questions and Melvin answer those questions about the relationship, the manager, the manager, GM, like everything. He's going to be back. How excited is he to be back? Has he been contacted by the Giants? Would he be interested in a giant job if they were to extend and extend their interest to the Padres and ask for approval from the Padres for Melvin to go manage or for Melvin to go interview, I should say, for the San Francisco Giants job? If if Melvin, I don't think he would like answer every question, but for him to sit up there in front of the media and answer questions and say, yes, I am the manager of the Padres in 2024. I know he already said it to the AP and to Kevin AC, so he's probably like, why do I have to go talk about it again? But at the end of last year, Melvin and Preller, were they were up there at the same time, the same spot, same location at Petco Park, giving their thoughts on the season. Now, it was much different circumstances, obviously. There wasn't a big report out from The Athletic about their relationship. Um, they were coming off of the NLCS. It's not like they were coming off of a very disappointing season where they missed the postseason. I get it. It was different circumstances. But it still happened last year. The same two people got up there and sat together. That didn't happen this year. A.J. Preller called a video conference from his office, didn't do it in person, just did it video conference without Bob Melvin there, and Bob Melvin hasn't done one yet. I don't know if he's going to. I would assume he's not going to, or else he would have already done it because there have been off days in the Major League Baseball calendar. And A.J. Preller didn't even do his video conference on an off day. There were playoff games. I want to say the playoffs were just starting. Maybe, maybe it was the second day but they, uh, of the wildcard series. They were just starting, and he was doing his video conference. So Bob Melvin can do it if he wants to, and that would make me more comfortable. That would make me more relaxed about this situation. Like, okay, Bob Melvin, he is staying for 2024. Again, I think he is staying, but when an article comes out from Andrew Baggerly listing Bob Melvin, it could be a seasoned and successful manager like Bob Melvin San Diego's situation isn't as settled as one press release would make it appear. The door is cracked open. It's not a 0% possibility, 0% chance that Bob Melvin goes to the Giants and isn't managing the Padres come opening day in Korea in 2024. So it's something, it's not something that is at the, the very front of my mind because we're not. At least I'm not hearing a ton about like the Giants managerial search. I, I know there's Alyssa Nacken interviewed. I think some other Giants coaching staff people interviewed, but I'm I haven't seen reports about outside candidates. I haven't seen like Mark DeRosa go in and interview or anything like that. If Bob, if we heard like Bob Melvin in interviews for the Giants, yeah, that's that's trouble. Uh, we haven't heard anything like that. But a right a beat writer for the Giants writing for The Athletic, 
He throws Bob Melvin's name out there. If the situation was fully settled here in San Diego and it was 100% clear that Bob Melvin was returning, would have Andrew Baggerly thrown out Bob Melvin's name there? I don't think so. So it's still a possibility that Bob Melvin is not managing this team in 2024. I know he said that he's going to and he's looking forward to 2024, but he, he didn't hold even a video conference like A.J. Preller held. They weren't in the same room together at a press conference. Nothing like that. And you can connect the dots to San Francisco. So it's something to keep an eye on for sure. Something to keep an eye on. All right. Let's go to some people in the chat here. What do you all think on, uh, about this Bob Melvin situation? Devin asked, do you think hiring Kim Ang as GM would be a good would be good? Yes. I, I think that would be amazing. I probably would rather have Kim Ang be the president of baseball operations over A.J. Preller and have A.J. Preller take a decreased role with this Padres team. And Kim Ang's not going to take the GM role. She left the Marlins because the Marlins wanted to hire a president of baseball operations over her, which I think is stupid. Why would you? So you, you clearly, and this is probably how Kim Ang took it, you clearly don't trust Kim Ang enough. Because if you trusted Kim Ang enough to run your baseball operations, you would have allowed her to continue being the president or continue being the GM, and that's it. She's the top person in the organization. Instead, you wanted to hire a president of baseball operations over her, despite her taking the Miami Marlins to the playoffs this season. And it seems like things are trending in the right direction, and you still want to say, no, we want someone else to come in. And I doubt that that person, that president of baseball operations, would have been a woman. And Theo Epstein's not taking that job. David Stearns is already with the Mets. Who are you putting as the president of baseball operations if Kim, if Kim Ng would have stayed with the Marlins as the GM? Who are you putting ahead of her that I would sit there and people would sit there and say, yeah, it makes sense to have them be the president of baseball operations over Kim Ng? Or, you know, be the lead decision maker and Kim Ang be the number two, despite her leading the Marlins to a playoff berth. Like Skip Schumacher as the G uh, as the manager, excuse me, Kim Ang as the GM. It seemed like things were trending in the right direction. So yeah, this I think was a disrespectful. Um, and I think Kim Ang, as I said, I think the other day, I, I think I said this yesterday. Good for Kim Ang for not staying in that situation. And yes, Devin, I would love to have Kim Ang be a part of the San Diego Padres, but I think that she's going to go to some place like the Boston Red Sox where she can be the lead person. I know that the Red Sox front office, there's other, uh, there's, I think, Brian O'Halloran. He's kind of like the Josh Stein of the Red Sox. He's been there for a long time. I think he got elevated to the general manager role. I think, I think there's another woman who's an assistant GM there. Raquel Ferreira, that, that might be her name. But maybe I think Kim Ang would find that appealing if they allowed her to be the head person there. And then you have another woman alongside her as like an assistant GM there. I think that would be very appealing to Kim Ang. But yeah, so getting back to the Padres part. Yeah, Raquel Ferreira is she's the executive vice president, assistant general manager for the Boston Red Sox. I think that would be appealing to Kim Ang. So I would not be surprised at all if she ends up being the head person there with the Boston Red Sox. I know they just interviewed 
or they the twins, I believe, gave permission to the Red Sox to speak with Thad Levine, who is one of the that's not Derek Falvey, but he's one of the lead decision makers for the twins. And the twins seem like they're in a very good spot right now, heading in the right trajectory. They made the postseason this year. So we'll see what happens with the Red Sox opening, but I don't see someone coming in ahead of AJ Preller and being the lead decision maker. I think that would have to be a GM. And I don't even think a GM is going to be hired. I don't see that happening. I hope it happens, but, and someone that's not like a yes man to Preller, someone that is going to come in unbiased, give a really good look at this organization, what needs to change, what needs to change with AJ Preller, what needs to change with Bob Melvin, some other people in the front office, better communication. Hopefully there's someone that can be brought in for that, but I don't think that's going to happen. Devin says he thinks Bo Mel is going to stay. I think Bob Melvin's going to stay. I'm just not 100% sure that he is going to stay. Oris says Melvin is on shaky ground, but he will start the season in San Diego. Yeah, but here's the thing, you know, like the Padres, they do have a history of the lame duck, right? If you're a lame duck, one more year left, things aren't starting off well. All right, see a manager, you're gone, right? But Black in 2015, there's, there's some history of, especially Preller being like, all right, things aren't working out. You're not even finishing the season here. Now it is Bob Melvin and they're trying, they better be trying to go all in and win in 2024. I know the payroll's not going to go higher than what it was this year, but they better have a really make a really good effort at winning in 2024. And if you're doing that, what's the point in changing managers, right? And Bob Melvin going. Because if that were to happen and Bob Melvin gets fired midseason or something, I don't see this happening where like the Phillies, right? Where they let go of Joe Girardi, Rob Thompson takes over, and they go to the World Series. I don't see that happening if Bob Melvin gets canned in the middle of the season or a month in or two months in. I don't see that happening. Uh, Juan says trade Soto. I think trading Soto would not be a smart decision. You're not going to get back nearly as much as what you got when you traded Juan Soto or when you traded for Juan Soto. All those prospects, all that young talent that you gave up, you're not going to get that back for one year of Juan Soto. And we're going to be sitting there. What if Juan Soto was on the Padres in 2024? If they don't win the World Series or get there or whatever, make a long run, what if they had Juan Soto? What would what difference would that have made for this Padres team, right? Um, I don't want that regret. I don't want to have those what ifs. We already have a lot of what ifs. What ifs from this 2023 season, you know, the Snell Hater stuff, um, injuries, you know, if Musgrove would have been helped, I mean, they missed the playoffs by two games. If they would have had more urgency, what if, what if, what if? I don't want to have another what if. And AJ Preller, didn't he say right when they acquired Juan Soto at that press conference that they got him for three pennant races? So if you tr then trade Juan Soto and you only ended up having him for one, I get that the maximum you can have now is two, possibly, because you didn't make it this year, obviously. So next year, that would be two. But to not even get him for two, possibly, and you only get one, that would be a bad look on AJ. Because again, you're not getting back the same amount of prospects, of talent that you traded to the Nationals for Juan Soto. So just you know, throw that possibility out of your brain. It's not going to happen. So I want to see this team again in 2024 with Juan Soto. And I sure hope that they're not going to be like, well, 
we still think we have a really good shot at winning the World Series if we if they trade Juan Soto because you cannot sell that to the fan base. So now let's say Snell doesn't come back, Hater's not back, you trade Juan Soto, you're lowering payroll. How we, how can you sell that, yeah, we're trying just as hard as we were going into last year to win a World Series? You can't sell that to the fan base. All right. Let's get to the player review portion. You can continue in the chat, in the comments. If you're watching on replay, uh, podcast platforms, you can go to YouTube and go to the comments for this live show. Uh, what do you think about Bob Melvin? Do you think he's staying? Do you think he's going? Do you think there's a 100% shot that he is staying? Or are you leaving that door cracked open a little bit, like I am, with this Bob Melvin situation? All right, quick break, and then let's get to the player reviews. Check out Gaglione Bros' famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries on Friars Road. You can visit their website, gaglionebros.com, for their entire menu and enjoy their cheesesteaks and fries at Petco Park and Snapdragon Stadium as well. All right, let's get to the first guy in this player review, Scott Barlow. He finished 2023 with a 1.0 F4. This is not just San Diego, obviously. This was his stats the entire 2023 season, Kansas City. San Diego, 1F4, 63 games, 68 innings, 4370 RA, 1397 whip, almost 80 strikeouts, 34 walks, 4 home runs, 5 hit batters. And with Scott Barlow, I was pretty impressed with what I saw. There was a little bit of a rocky start right when he first came over from San Diego. I can't speak too much to how he was performing with the Kansas City Royals. It did, from the numbers, what I remember, him with the Kansas City Royals, his numbers were not as good as they were in, I believe, years prior. Let me double check. Kansas City, yeah, 5.35 ERA before he came over to San Diego, and he had a 3.07 ERA. In 2022, he had a 2.18 ERA. 2021, he had a 2.42 ERA. So he was not pitching as well. But I thought with the Padres, he pitched pretty well. And... Yeah, there were some rocky outings again, like at the beginning. Um, let's go to his San Diego tenure here when he got traded. So, you know, those two outings there, the first outing, he was coming off the plane, inning in two-thirds in Colorado, didn't give up any runs, struck out three, like great start. But then the next two outings combined two and a third innings, four hits, six runs, four of them were earned, three walks. Only one strikeout compared to three in that one outing, that first outing. So a little bit bumpy there. But after the August 8th outing, if we go to the rest of the season for Scott Barlow, let's see if uh, baseball reference will load here. The final, how many appearances is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eleven. 13, 15, 17, 19. Final 21 appearances, 24 and two-thirds innings. He allowed three earned runs. He had a 1.09 ERA. Opponents were hitting 181 off of him with a 483 OPS in his last 21 outings with the Padres to finish the year. Like, he was impressive. So this guy is going to be the eighth-inning guy for this Padres team, at least right now on paper, if they don't bring in another big guy. I think Suarez will be the closer, or maybe they have Barlow be the closer and they have Suarez be the eighth inning guy. I would think because they gave the big contract to Robert Suarez 
that Barlow is going to be the eighth inning guy. But yeah, I was impressed by what I saw from Scott Barlow. You know, I, I, I like this out of all the trade deadline additions. I like this addition the most by from AJ Preller because he had that extra year of control for 2024, which, you know, losing Hader, Barlow could be a, a replacement for Josh Hader. And some would say, well, Barlow's not going to replicate Josh Hader's numbers. And I'm not saying that he will, but that's not even the role that he has to fill. Like that's Robert Suarez that we think is going to go into the closer role with Scott Barlow being the eighth inning guy, or maybe he'd be the seventh inning guy and Steven Wilson will be the eighth or Tom Cosgrove or whoever. We'll see. Um, but I, I, I mean, look at his numbers with San Diego after those two rough outings. Like I said, the final 21 appearances, the dude had Josh Hader type numbers. Um, and I think, at least I hope he'll be more flexible than some than Josh Hader was this season in 2024. Hopefully Barlow will be that for this Padres team. And, you know, the trade deadline additions, I've already made my thoughts known on that, like Rich Hill, G-Man Choi. For what the Padres were going to do, I said at the time, like, I like the trade deadline that they had. Because I knew that they were going to add. They were going to add fringe pieces. These weren't like big uh, prospects that had to go the other way in these deals. Like I was fine with it. But overall, I didn't agree with what they were doing. So yeah, I didn't like their trade deadline. I thought they should have traded Hater. I thought they should have traded Blake Snell. And you get back G-Man Choi and Rich Hill and Garrett Cooper was fine. Um, but it's like, what are we doing here? It's not the year. You know, why, why are we making these trades? And, but Scott Barlow, you had that extra year of control and you saw the numbers that he had in previous years. And it's like, Ruben can get something out of him. Like, I like that addition. So we'll see, we'll see what he can bring to the Padres in 2024. What I do know is he is going to have to be a very important piece to this Padres team next season. If they want to get where they want to go, I would think because we saw, I mean, like if an injury happens, right? You're obviously not hoping that happens. But if an injury happens, we saw what, uh, the effect that that had on this past season's team. Robert Suarez missing all that time. What if Suarez would have been able to be healthy for an extra few weeks in the season, an extra couple weeks? Would they have won a few more games? You know, because how many close games they won or they lost, excuse me, this year. What if? That's another what if from this past season, right? So Barlow's health will be big. His performance will be big. Same thing with Robert Suarez and Tom Cosgrove, which is a guy that I'll get to right now, which I, I was impressed by. Like this was, this was like this year's version of Steven Wilson last year, I think, of how impressed I was. Didn't know much about him. I know Wilson is not like Tom Cosgrove, like um, in terms of Cosgrove's a lefty, right? He is lefty, right? Um, Steven Wilson's a righty, but guys that came on didn't know a whole lot about them, but they got their opportunity and they took full advantage of that. Um, a one seven five ERA for Cosgrove this year. His whip was under one 44 punch outs, 19 walks, three home runs, five hit batters, 54 games, 51 and a third innings. Again, a sub two ERA, a sub one whip. I was impressed. Totally. I was impressed by Tom Cosgrove and like he took the ball. It seemed like in a lot of different situations for this team, he's 27 years old, made his debut in late April. Um, didn't allow a run. I was looking at his game locks the other day. 
and he didn't allow a run until June 11th, which was his 15th outing on the season. So it was kind of like Steven Wilson in 2022. He comes on, pitches really well to start the season, and he like he earns that trust at the beginning of the year from Bob Melvin and the Padres coaching staff. And that's what Tom Cosgrove did, and he kept riding with it. And I could see Tom Cosgrove being the most valuable left-handed reliever in the Padres' bullpen next year. Is that a stretch to say? Because I think, I mean, he was better than Tim Hill this year. We'll see if Tim Hill's on the roster. I'll get to him here in a second. We'll see if he's on the roster in 2024. Uh, Ray Kerr, is he going to get as much pitching time as... Tom Cosgrove's going to get? I would lean towards no. I think the coaching staff trust Tom Cosgrove in high leverage situations going into spring training next year. I think they already know that. And I think they're going to give those opportunities to to, uh, to Tom Cosgrove. So he's another one. I mean, these are two, I think, guys that are going to be very valuable to this Padres team. or They're going to have to be if the Padres want to get where they want to go in 2024. Tom Cosgrove and Scott Barlow. So I'm going to be very interested to see the progression of Scott Barlow next year and how, or excuse me, the, the progression of Tom Cosgrove, see what Scott Barlow can do in his first full season with the Padres. And hopefully, like I said, a little, a little bit ago, hopefully he will be more flexible, more of a team guy than uh, Josh Hader was able to do was able to be, uh, was willing to be in 2023 for this Padres team. All right, the final guy I want to get to for today, Tim Hill, a negative .4 F4, 48 games, 44 in a third innings, 5.48 ERA, a 1.647 whip, 106 strikeouts, 14 walks, 7 home runs, 6 hit batters. And what I like about Tim Hill is it seems like he just takes the ball whenever, <laughs> like, he's like a, a guy where Bob Melvin's like any situation, he's willing to take the ball. And I love, I love watching Tim Hill, how serious he gets on the mound and the big like leg kick, the follow through that he has on the mound. Like he's an interesting character. And he was the Padres Roberto Clemente award nominee this year. Um, so props to him on that. Like a great human being is what it seems like this guy is. He's at all, he's at all of the, the Padres community events and all that. So like, seriously, great human being is what it seems like Tim Hill is, um, on the field. It, he did take a little bit of a step back this season. Um, it was weird though. Like I say, he took a step back, but if you go look at the home road splits and obviously he was pitching a lot of the season, he was pitching plenty of games at home, plenty of games on the road. Let me pull up his baseball reference page here real quick. Uh, because these these splits, they're interesting. He is someone that did not like pitching at Petco Park this season for some reason. I'm pulling up the baseball reference page right now. Pulling up the splits, home road splits. Here we go. So, or excuse me, wait a second. I had it flipped. He didn't like pitching away. He liked pitching at home. He didn't like pitching away. A 10-3-5 ERA this season. 24 games on the road, 
24 games at home, 24 games, 20 innings pitched on the road, 10-3-5 ERA, a 2.1 whip, and at home, a 1-4-8 ERA in 24 and a third innings, a bigger sample size, more innings, a 1-2-7-4 whip, again, at home, a 1-4-8 ERA, away, a 10-3-5 ERA. Like, what the heck happened there with Tim Hill? Now, there is that one road start that sticks out in my head. I put it on the Padres blooper reel that I put out, the low lights. You know, highlights? No, no, no. It wasn't highlights this year, really. It was a lot of low lights. Um, if you go, I believe, to the Padres edits playlist on the Talking Friars YouTube channel here, uh, I believe it's labeled the Padres 2023s and sucked, something like that. And you'll see some of the plays Tim Hill was in. Like, he just ball ground balls to him. And he couldn't throw it to first base. Had a really hard time to do that. And I remember the Pittsburgh outing where he threw it to first and it was like a terrible throw. The, a couple runs scored. I think it tied the game for Pittsburgh. That was on the road when the Pittsburgh Pirates swept the Padres. Terrible road trip. Later in the road trip, that was when Peter Seidler said AJ's excellence to Kevin AC when he was sitting and watching a game with Kevin. Don't know if it was in... Uh, a suite or press box, whatever. But yeah, it was that road trip. Same road trip, Manny told Kevin, I don't have time to talk, even though he was struggling, the Padres were struggling. And then later that series in Pittsburgh, Manny was like, yeah, we need to have more urgency. <laughs> and then later in the year, he kind of backs off on that. Whatever, it was a weird year. Getting back to Tim Hill. Yeah, so at home, he pitched much better than he pitched on the road. I don't know why. Um, if we were to look at some of the game logs for Tim Hill, let me pull up his game logs here. Because I'm just trying to recall why he pitched worse, so much worse at on the road compared to at home. His first road outing of the year, he gave up two runs. Four hits. Um, at Atlanta. Maybe, is it blow-up outings here? I'm just trying to look at, um, at Arizona, April 23rd, gave up two runs. At the Dodgers, gave up two runs in .1 innings. A third of an inning, gave up two runs there. So that obviously bumps the ERA. On May 10th, his ERA was 484. .1 innings, two runs allowed on May 12th, and it bumps up the ERA to 626. So, I mean, that'll do it to you. At Washington, he didn't even get it out, and he gave up three runs. The ERA actually went down in that spot? No way. No, it went up. Okay. The ERA was 291, and then he gave three runs, didn't get it out, and it bumped up to 415. So it, was, it seemed like a lot of the blow-up outings were on the road. Gave up two runs and one inning of work July 2nd at Cincinnati. So all these like two-run outings, every single one that I'm seeing here, we're on the road. A third of an inning gives up two earned runs. Uh, four hits at Philadelphia um, on July 15th. Um, gave up two runs at home against the Phillies, but like at Houston, didn't get it out and gave up five earned runs. Like the ERA went from 447 to 548. That was that was his last outing of the year. He was dealing with the the finger injury, right? So there were there was something there. But, like, at home, he pitched well. On the road, he had those outings where he gave up multiple runs and 
sometimes only got one out or didn't get an out in some cases. And that's where it really blew up on him. So this season, you know, when you look back on it, it was either it was good, did his job, or it was absolute garbage. That's like what it was with Tim Hill. There was no really like uh, middle ground there is what it seems like. So, yeah, with Tim, it's interesting. If we go to the future of Tim Hill, he is going to be in his final year of arbitration going into this offseason. A.J. Preller doesn't go to arbitration with guys. So is this someone that he's going to go to arbitration with? I don't think so. What is he scheduled to make in arbitration? I don't, is it what, $3 million? Is it $4 million? I don't know if SpotTrack gives like a salary estimate. Let me see here. Tim Hill, SpotTrack. I don't think it gives an estimate. I think it just gives, yeah. It just says ARB3. His, his final year is year three, third year of arbitration. I don't know if MLB Trade Rumors has a prediction. His salary this year was a little less than $2 million. And 2022, it was a little less than 1.4 mil. So it's going up a little. So what is it? Is it two and a half? Is it going to be like two and a half mil this year? Although I think he, I mean, he'll have a case that he didn't take that much of a step back in 2023. So I don't think it'll be that big of a number where the Padres are like, yeah, no way we're paying this and we're just not going to tender him a contract. But I think there's going to be a discussion because you have Ray Kerr, you have Tom Cosgrove as lefties there in the bullpen. If you want to give Ray Kerr an expanded role and you, you're confident in Tom Cosgrove and you, you're trying to lower payroll, if you don't want to give two and a half, three mil, whatever happens to be to Tim Hill, that's a way you can save some money and you bring up um, an Espada or a Morahone or someone like that. Now, Morahone, you can't rely on to be healthy, so I'm not trying to act like you can put him in there and he'll be healthy all year. But if you want to save a little bit of a money, a little bit of money there, a couple mil, the Padres can go that route. But maybe they should just go, hey, let's just bring Tim Hill back because he is a major league vet. He knows what he's doing, and let's just hope that the injuries don't happen again, the the finger stuff in 2024. And he wasn't – he was really good at home, and let's hope that those blow-up outings don't happen as much in 2024. Uh, because, again, if, if you go, like, look at the, the game logs and all that, like, it's not like his year sucked. You look at the ERA, and it's like, yeah, not great. At some of the outings, terrible. But – his year overall, like you look at the outings in between those, it didn't suck. In my opinion, um, I can go more into the splits here, like month by month of Tim Hill's year. Let's see here. So, well, he sucked against righties. Righties had an OPS over a thousand against him. So maybe the Padres will look at that and they'll look at the away numbers. So maybe the Padres won't give them because opposing managers will probably make sure that there's some righties there 
facing Tim Hill whenever Tim Hill comes into a game. You know, they'll construct that lineup to make sure that there's no, like, pocket, no lane for Tim Hill to go in, right? Uh, lefties still had a good OPS against him, 752. But when you go to the game logs, and I'm, I'm looking at results-based business, runs allowed, what matters the most, and it didn't look that bad to me. He's not the best reliever on the team. Definitely not making it. I don't want to make it seem like he's the best reliever or anything like that. But I don't think it was as bad of a year as maybe some fans might think when they just look at the general numbers. But yeah, on the road, he's, he the numbers don't look great. It's going to be interesting. Do you want Tim Hill back in 2024? Let me know your thoughts in the comments, in the chat here. In fact, I'm going to go to the chat right now. Uh, Red Devil NC says, Bob Melvin does not want to be here. Um, I think he wants to be here in terms of, like, the best chance to win. I think he does. But in terms of, like, relationship with AJ Preller, I mean, yeah, probably that's, it seems pretty clear uh, that it's not the best. When you can't be on the same Zoom conference, and I get it. Bob Melvin was doing, he was moving. Is I think that's what the reasoning was, why he wasn't on the Zoom conference with A.J. Preller. But come on, then find another date. A.J. doesn't have to talk to the media on that day because there were playoff games that day. Find another day then. Why couldn't they have a press conference at Petco Park? That's not that big of a deal, but just like be on the same Zoom call. Is it that hard? I don't think it should be that difficult. It's the internet. You know? <laughs> like, come on. Uh, Red Devil says, if the Giants had a manager in place, the Giants would be done with Melvin. They have to keep him just to keep him from going to the Giants. Yeah, I could see that as well. But also, Bob Melvin, uh, not Bob Melvin, I think A.J. Preller, maybe he's thinking, I'm going to lose my job if I fire Bob Melvin. Because Peter Sider, now Peter Sider loves AJ, so maybe he would allow AJ and Peter Sider with the health and all that. Hopefully he is continuing to recover. But there is the risk there that AJ Preller would be taking if he would have fired Bob Melvin. And Sider could have been like, you couldn't make it work with Bob Melvin. Who are you? So, okay, you want to fire Bob Melvin? Tell me who you're going to bring in that you think is better for this job than Bob Melvin is. And I don't see how A.J. Preller could convince. Well, I guess I could because he has convinced Peter Seidler to do a lot of things that I don't think is the best thing. But how can you convince Peter Seidler, if I was Peter, how can you convince me that you're going to bring in someone that's better than Bob Melvin, right? So Preller would have been risking something. He would maybe risking his job if he would have fired Bob Melvin and said, yeah, I can bring someone else in and he's the right guy to go win the World Series in 2024. And Bob Melvin wasn't. So I think it was save him from going to the Giants and Preller wanting to make sure he has his job for another year. And then he can keep his job if they have a, a good year um, and, you know, make a run in the postseason, let's say, and Bob Melvin just says, I'm done. Preller can just be like, well, Melvin doesn't want to, he, wants, he doesn't want to return. He wants to go retire. He wants to go spend more time with family. And so we, we have to hire another manager. Bob Melvin's not here. And so that's how he could keep it. 
if there was a couple more years on the deal, I'd be interested in seeing what a move, what move would have, if a move would have happened, if Bob Melvin would have stayed. But yeah, having only one more year, I think it makes it easier for Preller to be like, yeah, okay, Bob Melvin's coming back. And Peter Seidler wanted both to stay. So it felt like he was kind of like, guys, you better make this work. You better make this work. I'm telling you to make this work. Um, all right, continuing to go through the chat here. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Uh, Oris says, the Padres, Yankees, and Mets are all teams in limbo at the moment. Padres, yeah, a little bit. Yankees, are the Yankees in limbo? Because Aaron Boone's staying, Brian Cashman's staying, right? Unless I have, unless I've seen something else, or I, I haven't seen something. I think both are staying. And with the Mets, yes, they. There's no GM under David Stearns right now. There's no manager. So yes, those, yeah, three big payroll teams. I don't know about the Yankees so much, but yeah, Padres and Mets. I think a little bit in limbo. Mets more than. The Padres and Yankees, but yes, I understand your point there. Yes, Devin. Tim Hill nominated for the Roberto Clemente Award. I don't know if the I don't know if the public voting is closed on that, or is it public voting? I forget if it was public voting or not. But yes, he's voted for the Clemente Award. Soto is a nominee for the Hank Aaron Award. He's not going to win it. There was like nine or ten guys. It'll be a cooner of bets, probably. Um and then Tatis will probably be, I hope he wins the right field goal glove. I think he deserves it. He'll be a nominee. I think, I don't think Grish will for center this year. Just looking at like the outs above average defensive numbers that other center fielders in baseball. Um, Hassan Kim, I think, will be a nominee. I don't know. Would it be at short? Would it be at, it would probably be at second base. Um, anyone else? That's probably it. And then Silver Sluggers, Soto will be there as like a nominee, probably. Trying to think of, would Hassan Kim be there for second base in the National League? I haven't dove into other NL second basements too much, so I don't know. I'm kind of just throwing names out there. Uh, Devin asks, what is arbitration? So it's an agreement. I think it's an agreement between the Players Association and the teams that once a player, they're like on their rookie deal, okay? So they play for three years on a rookie deal. And then after, I believe, the third year, let me make sure I'm saying this correctly. Arbitration, MLB. Okay, this is from MLB.com. Players who have three or more years of Major League Service but less than six years of Major League Service become eligible 
for arbitration if they do not already have a contract for the next season. So if they've signed like an extension or something like that, you're obviously you you know your contract. There's no arbitration there. But for players like Tim Hill, who have been in the, the they've been in Major League Baseball in their contract for more than three years, they're not a free agent. It's less than six years. They submit a number to, I believe, the team on what they think that they should make. And the team submits a number, or they can agree. And if they don't agree on a number, then I believe it goes to an arbitration hearing where there's one side, the players, the team, and they make their cases, and then someone who is not affiliated they make the decision on who wins and how much money the player gets. That's, I believe that's the, um, that's the simplest way, I believe, to describe arbitration. It says here, if the club and player have not agreed on a salary by a deadline, typically in mid-January, the club and player must exchange salary figures for the upcoming season. After the figures are exchanged, a hearing is scheduled. If no one-year or multi-year settlement can be reached by the hearing date, the case is brought before a panel of arbitrators. After hearing arguments from both sides, the panel selects either the salary figure of either the player or the club, but not one in between. The salary figure, the player or the club. You got to pick one as the player's salary for the upcoming season. So hopefully that explains it well. All right. I think that's it. By the way, San Diego Wave tickets, playoff tickets for their home semifinal match, they're on sale now. San Diego Waves website, go there. You can get your tickets. I was looking on the website this morning. They're as low as $10. So playoff tickets, let's sell out that place, pack the snap, November 5th. November 5th, that's a few weeks away. The winner of OL Rain in Angel City this coming weekend plays San Diego Wave in the semis at Snapdragon Stadium. The winner of that match goes on to the NWSL championship game at Snapdragon Stadium on November 11th for the championship. And obviously, San Diego Wave, if you missed it, I made a video on that, so you can check that out here on this YouTube channel. I made a video on San Diego Wave uh, winning the NWSL Shield over the weekend. That was amazing uh, to be there for. Um, the crowd was amazing. So again, playoff tickets are on sale there. And I believe San Diego Loyal, their playoff tickets have not sold out yet, but they will be sold out at some point. So you can go to San Diego Loyal's website as well. Their playoff match against Phoenix is coming up this weekend there. You're welcome, Devin, for the explanation. All right, that's going to do it. Talking Friars episode 492. Thank you so much for the time on YouTube, on the podcast platforms. Just a quick reminder, you can use my code TalkingFriars, $20 off your order on SeatGeek. Check out Underdog Fantasy, some great pickums for the postseason. Click the link in the description for that. A 100% deposit match up to $100. FOCO, click the link in the description for that for them. Uh, Padres Bobbleheads, Collectibles, they've got other teams as well. And BreakingT.com, click the link in the description there. Some great San Diego sports swag, Padres, Aztecs, Wave. They also just released a San Diego Wave NWSL Shield champions shirt so you can check that out there all right that's gonna do it see y'all tomorrow thank you so much see ya